You are now listening to Message 3 from the 2010 Daughters of the King Women's Retreat with guest speaker Sharon Thomas. I, I told you I have, I have two children, and I want to tell you a little bit more about my daughter as we get started in this time together. This is Mackenzie, a picture of her, and she's 18, and about in a month she is going to graduate from high school, and I think, wow, the time has flown, you know? I mean, people always used to tell me that, and I couldn't believe it, but the time has flown. Oh, I guess you're just seeing her picture. Yeah, that's my girl. <laughs> She's even got a Texas cowboy hat on, <laughs> so wasn't that cute? I picked that picture on, on purpose. <clears throat> a beautiful girl. But you know, I, I mentioned to you how we struggled through infertility, and God was so good to give us our children, and, and each of the stories surrounding their adoptions just have wonderful God stories, as so many adoptions do. I talked to a woman here last night who's just waiting on that phone call about adoption. What a neat thing, and I hope you guys are going to rally around her as her, as your sister, her sisters and, and just support her and love her through that. That's just going to be a neat, neat thing for them, and I'm excited about that. You know, their stories, my kids' stories, are long stories that I don't really have time to tell. I was in Florida a couple weekends ago, and this woman came up to me, and that weekend I did say a lot of times, that's a long story, that's a long story, and she said, you just need to write a book because you got all these long stories, and you need to finish them because we're like, like, leave us wondering what, what all these things happen. And, and maybe one day I will, but I'm not going to do that today. But, you know, when Mackenzie was born, I had hopes and dreams for her just like any other mother. This is a picture of when we brought her home from the hospital. And she was just two days old. And, you know, as her mom and, and just becoming her mom at that time, you know, I, I wanted her to embrace the privilege and the responsibility of being in our family. And one of the hopes that I had for her as her mother was that she would embrace the privilege of being God's daughter early in her life. And when she was six years old, she said, I want, I want to belong to Jesus, you know, and this is a picture of her daddy baptizing her at that, at that age. But you know, all these years later, my hope for her as this young woman that she has become, and I believe she's very beautiful, you know, this beautiful young woman, is that she is strong, that she is established in her faith. As she goes off to college, you know, as the mother, I, I want to know that she's ready. We have a group of moms that last summer, you know, we kind of grouped together in some ministry we were doing, and we discovered, wow, we've all got seniors this year, and for many of us, it's the first time, you know, and for those of you who have done this launching your children out thing, it's, it's kind of hard, and so we had gotten into doing something through prayer last summer, and we thought, you know what, we can do this as senior moms, and so every Wednesday night at about 9.30, we all call in, there's, there's about six of us that have been really faithful to it through the year, and we call in on a conference call line, and we pray for about 30 minutes for our seniors, and we've been doing that since September, and it's so neat to begin to see the things that God is doing, the answers that he's having um, to those prayers in our lives. We, we send out, one of us will take the responsibility and send out a sheet early in the week, well, let, let's this week pray about their attitude, and we'll have all these scriptures, and we'll pray on the phone together, you know, so nobody has to get out of their houses and have some other meeting they have to go to, but we just all call in, and, and God can use, you know, technology in those ways. It has been such a blessing in our ministry using these conference call lines to do these things. But last uh, Wednesday night, we, we decided not to actually pray together on the phone. We went and met at Starbucks. We've done that a few times just to share in some of the stories. And I, some really neat stuff had happened in the last couple weeks with Mackenzie. And I got to share with them. And one of the moms said, okay, everybody stop. Just, just put your stuff down. Put your drink down. Let's just walk outside for a minute. And we were all like, 
what are you talking about? You know, so we all just followed her. I mean, it was like, you know, 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night. And we walk outside the, the Starbucks, and she said, we just got to give God a round of applause. We just got to do that right now. And she, she was so excited. But as a mom, as a sister in Christ, it was so fun to have her celebrating with me because I was so full of the ways that God is moving my daughter into this strength that I've been praying. And, and he had finally allowed me to see some of the things that he's been doing in her heart and mind. You know, as they go off to college, you want to know that. You want to know that your, that your children, that your daughters are strong, that they're ready. And I'm glad she's strong and I'm glad she's ready. I'm not sure I'm ready, but you know, I'm glad, I'm glad that she is. But this, you know, this strength is the same hope that many mothers have for their children. It's the same hope that many pastors, you know, have for their churches. They want the people in their churches to be strong. It's the same hope that God has for us as his daughters. You know, there's all kinds of parenting theories out there and pastoring theories and discipleship theories. You know, how do you grow strong kids? How do you grow a strong church? How do you grow strong disciples of Christ? Well, there's all kinds of theories, but we all know it all comes back to this, really. The, the church that's going to grow, the daughter that's going to become a strong daughter of God they're going to have to embrace the, the part of the process, you know. They're going to have to embrace the responsibility or you can do all you want. They're not going to become strong. And as we look back in this last time together this weekend at First Peter again, we're going to see that it is certainly God's desire that we are strong as well. As we look at that scripture one more time, it says, After you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. God wants us to grow in strength, and he wants us to be established. And earlier we talked about that privilege of being God's daughter, to be perfected, to be confirmed. And, you know, I think now we need to talk about the responsibility. What is the responsibility of being his? We don't have to wonder if God wants his daughters to be strong. Certainly he does. I mean, even just in common sense, he wants strong children just like you. I mean, he's the perfect parent. You don't want your children to be some wimp, weakling, you know. You want them to be strong. Well, he wants us to be strong. He wants us to be established. And we've got to look at the responsibility of that. And, you know, when you think about these things, really, they really overlap, the privilege and the responsibility. Because just as it's a privilege to be perfected and confirmed, I've got to embrace that privilege. I've got to accept that in my life. And that's really kind of a responsibility. And kind of with the responsibility of being strengthened and being established, well, that's really a privilege <laughs> that I even get that, God doing that in my life. A lot of these things really go together. So we need to be strong. We need to be strong as a believer, as God's daughter. And that's not any news. You probably knew that before I read you this passage this weekend. I'm sure you knew that. You're supposed to be strong. But what does that look like? I mean, how do you measure? How do you look at three women and say, well, she's strong. She's got a lot of work, you know. I mean, what do you do? How, how do you say, that, you know, if they're strong or not? Well, the Greek word here for strong is this word here on, on the screen, and it means to strengthen one's soul. Here we are back to that again. Strengthen one's soul. In other words, to strengthen one's mind, strengthen one's will, strengthen one's emotions. Now, women are pretty much known for having a strong will. We can be stubborn. You know, having strong emotions. You know, men are like, where in the world does all this come from? You know, you got all this stuff rolling around in you. All the, That doesn't happen with me. And I'm like, well, we're different, you know, all these things. And yeah, we have these things, you know. But that's not necessarily God's strength. <laughs> in fact, he wants to take our, what we have as a strong mind and turn it in and transform that mind into his kind of mind. 
See, there's all kinds of theories out there for these things, how to grow a strong believer. But, you know, most of them are based in the Word, and we're just going to look today and just uh, ask the Lord to come and speak to us and speak to us about being strengthened to try to motivate us to embrace this responsibility. I think one of the best things we can do is look in the Word at some people that God literally moved from being weak to being strong or maybe being strong in themselves, in their flesh, and then he broke that strength and then turned it into his own strength. So who was strong? Lots of people in the Word of God were strong, but I want us to just look at a few people. I like to think about Peter, you know? He started out with a strength of his own. If you know much about him, we don't have time to go to each one of these and read them this morning. But Peter started out with a strength of his own. He never could shut his mouth. He was always saying the wrong things and having the idea that you know, was, he thought was the right idea. But when he finally shut his mouth and learned to listen to what Jesus had to see, what a difference, to say, what a difference. He embraced the responsibility of yielding his will, what he was going to say, what he was going to do to what Jesus said, and he grew so strong. We see him change from being this loudmouth disciple, then being this very weak, you know, scared disciple, to being a disciple that walked in power and victory. I mean, read through the book of Acts and see some of the things that Peter did. It's just amazing. You know, we think about Mary, not the Mary we talked about earlier today, but Mary, the sister of Martha. You know, she had some really weak emotions. You might remember Martha stood up and just, you know, flat out just criticized her right in front of Jesus. And don't you know that it happened before? <laughs> you know, I mean, you got to know she was just always being, you know, reprimanded or all these different things with this older sister. And I, I wonder about their relationship a lot of times. But, you know, she had probably received that criticism before. And she didn't have the strength to stand up on, on her own. Jesus did that on her behalf. And, and if you read some more about Mary, she's the one that she and Martha sent word to Jesus and said, our brother's sick, would you come and heal him? And Jesus didn't come in the prescribed amount of time they wanted him to come. And Lazarus died. And when Jesus finally gets there, Martha goes out to speak to Jesus. But do you know what Mary did? She sat in the house. She didn't even have the strength in her to get up and go out to Jesus. I think she was really mad at him, to be honest with you. I think she was very offended that he didn't come when she wanted him to, just like we get offended as we've asked God to do things and he doesn't show up when we think, you know, he should. But she had all these emotions. She just didn't have strength over her emotions. If you read through her story kind of chronologically and you put the bits and pieces together, you see, boy, she really, really struggled. But after she spent some time with Jesus, after she saw him literally raise her brother from the dead. Boy, it started making a difference because it's not too long after that that you see her stand up with an amazing strength in a very um, socially incorrect way at that time and just go up to Jesus sitting at a table with a bunch of men where she wouldn't have even been welcome in the first place and just pour out this perfume all over him and she obviously didn't care what anybody thought. Judas stood up right after that and criticized her. The other disciples chimed in, and Jesus stood up and just confirmed her and blessed her. In fact, he said, wherever the gospel is preached, her story is going to be told for what she has done to me. But she moved from being this weak person because she finally saw the strength of God. She saw the resurrection. She saw, okay, he can do this. Well, obviously, he can resurrect some things in me. He can change some things in me. And she moved from being just this weak person to one who was a strong woman. She was definitely strong. What about Mary Magdalene? We talked about her this morning. But what a transformation 
from being this weak person who's literally been taken over in her mind, in her will, in her emotions by seven demons, to being a woman of strength, who had the strength to go to the cross and stand up underneath the cross when all kinds of insults were being hurled and things being thrown. And, you know, don't you know that was a dangerous place? <laughs> I mean, some of us don't even want to go out on the street at night, and she just threw herself out in the middle of this very volatile situation. And then to run to the tomb that morning on the first, you know, to be the first one there and to talk to these people and to talk to the soldiers and all of those things. I mean, it, it was a very um, uncharted situation that was very dangerous. And yet she had the strength because God had transformed her. You know, God had done some of these things. And there's a common denominator to me in these stories and many more that you can look at that we don't even have time to tell. All of these people spent time with Jesus. And to me, as I look closer at their stories, I realize they took delight in the things that he had to say in their lives. You know, of course, all of them had moments of joy and really pure joy as they spent time with Jesus and listening to him. You know, you think about Peter. He was one of the ones that Jesus called to go up with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, although there was a little bit of correction that went on there as Peter said, let me build you a house up here, you know, Jesus. Um, and Jesus like, you just don't get it. You know, but to be able to be there and see the things and hear the things that were said up there. I mean, don't you know that was like a high moment in his spiritual journey. Or Mary, when she sat at the feet listening to Jesus. I mean, those were sweet times. Or Mary Magdalene, as she attended him on the road and listened to him say things and probably had some of her own personal conversations with him. But there were other moments, you just have to know, and we see many of them. When Jesus said things that were not so sweet and tender, you know, that were a little bit harder to hear. For Peter, he said some pretty hard stuff. You know, after he had resurrected from the dead and, and, and he had really restored that relationship with Peter, I love in the book of Mark how he tells Mary, it's very clear there, go tell the disciples and Peter. He calls him out by name because Peter would have been just hanging his head in shame because he had left, you know, Christ not stood up for him at all, just like Christ said he would, you know. But I love how Peter comes back into that restoration relationship with Jesus, just like kind of we've been talking this week he, or weekend. He ran out. You know, he wasn't a daughter, but he ran out away from that relationship, and yet Jesus welcomed him back. In fact, Jesus was the one that called his name and said, tell him to come to me. But, you know, afterwards there were some conversations that were kind of hard. Jesus looked at Peter and he said, feed my lambs. And Peter said, I will. He said, no, Peter, I'm saying feed my lambs. Well, I will, Lord. You know, do you like it when somebody tells you to do the same thing over and over again or like questions you like they don't think you're going to follow through? Well, that's kind of what it seems like Jesus was doing there, like really making an emphatic statement in his life. He told him, you know what? When Peter started looking at some of the other disciples and said, well, they're not doing this and why are you not? You know, Jesus said, you just keep your eyes on me. Don't worry about them. And that's not so easy to hear sometimes. That's kind of corrective. And then he told him, he said, wait till you receive power from on high. After I go back to heaven, you wait right here until the power comes from Jerusalem from on high before you go to Jerusalem. Now, Peter, in his impulsiveness, probably would have been one of those ones running down the road. I'm going to go do something for, you know, Jesus here. But he didn't do it. He waited. He listened to what he had to say. He embraced those things. You know, Mary went through some pretty hard moments with Jesus, some moments where she was wondering, why didn't you come? My brother died. In fact, the very first thing she says to him, if you read the account in the book of John, she goes out and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's the very first thing. You know the turmoil that's going on in her soul. But you know what? She didn't give up. 
She didn't turn her back on Jesus there. She actually went forward with him and kept seeking him even when she didn't understand. And she pressed in deeper and then she got to see all kinds of things. She kept listening. You know, Mary Magdalene, she could have easily been offended by Jesus' words. We didn't read it earlier today when we read in John chapter 20 about uh, the resurrection and when she recognized him, when she, she said, teach her, when, when he called her name. But the next verse, he actually looks at her and he says, stop clinging to me. <laughs> in other words, stop. <laughs> I personally would have probably taken a little bit of offense at that. <laughs> you know, Lord, I've been right at the cross with you. I've done all this. I'm just so glad you're here. But he said, go, you know, I'm still here. Go and tell the other disciples, let them know what's going on. And she did it, even though maybe some contrary emotions might have come with that. See, I believe all these things and more have something in common. They embrace what Jesus had to say as they spent time with him when he said the tender things, the loving things, the things that brought about a sense of excitement and rallying in their life. But... They also listened when Jesus corrected them or said something that was a little bit different than maybe what they wanted to hear or didn't show up. They didn't give up then in their relationship. But we, we, see, we have to go back to that same question we've been looking at all weekend. But what about us as a daughter? When Jesus corrects us, when he says some things in our lives that we don't understand, or maybe he asks us to do something contrary to what we would do on our own, what our will would do, what our mind thinks, what our emotions feel, what about us? Are we delighting in his words at those times as well? You know, remember our princess in that story we read. She was enjoying the privileges of being a princess until the king asked her to do something she didn't want to do. He wanted her to clean her room. She didn't want to do that. And that's where everything changed, and she chose her own way. And as a daughter of God, I think embracing this strengthening process is being very mindful and intentional to take responsibility to delight in everything he has to say. If we truly want to move from being weak to strong, Wherever we're at in that road of weakness, we might even be strong in one area, but he's still working with us on this area of weakness. If we truly want to move on, we've got to listen to the things, even the th hard things that he has to say. You know, as a parent, and I'm sure all of you who are parents, you know, you, you very intentionally say loving things, encouraging things to your children. But you also very intentionally point out some things that need some help, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, my kids are wonderful and I love them, but, you know, they, we just all have issues. And, you know, they're getting old enough that they point out some of mine, too, now. And sometimes I'm like, ugh. You know, I don't like that so much, you know? My son is very smart and he can recognize the loopholes very easily. Sometimes we will say to him, Sam, get your mind off yourself. The world does not revolve around you. One Sunday morning um, after we had left church and we were getting ready to go out to lunch, and of course we're all having discussions, we all have opinions of where we want to go for lunch, you know, and um, he got a little bit of an attitude because we weren't going to go where he was going to go, and I said, Sam, you need to not have your mind all on yourself, and he said, you know what, Mom? He said, when people say that, he said, that's not really true because what they're really wanting you to do is agree with them, and that's because their mind is all on their self. And I was like, you're not supposed to see those things. And he was right. And we laughed about it the whole lunch because he's smart, you know, and that's why sometimes we go, you know. 
But, I mean, there are things that I say to him he doesn't want to hear. And I love it in those moments. And I see him grow when he embraces those hard things, too. Sure, he loves it when, you know, I, I just bless him with words. But what about when the words are hard? But what about for us? You know what? As I have walked through this Christian life and have now spent many years as a daughter of the king embracing you know, these privileges and these responsibilities. Am I doing it perfectly? No, God's still working in me. But here is the distinction that I see between the weak and the strong. Here's what sets apart the daughters of God who are growing and allowing the spirit to be strong in their mind and their will and their emotions. It's God's word. It is God's word. See, God's word gives a woman strength to see herself as he sees her valuable and lovely, even if nobody else around her is seeing her that way. God's word gives a woman strength to say yes to his will and no to the world, even when in her own will she'd like to say yes to the world if she was really honest with herself. God's word gives a woman strength to have hope when life brings despair. That has been a huge thing in my life, for him to restore that hope through the word. God's word gives a woman strength to have faith when situations look bleak, it gives a woman strength to rise above the false idols of this world, to see them for what they really are, just a bunch of materialism and stuff and the lies that just suck us in and leave us empty. God's word gives us the, the power to be able to rise above all of that stuff. It gives us a strength to act in dignity and grace, even when people hurt us, when people do things to us that are hurtful and maybe even just, you know, we have every right to lash back. It gives a woman the strength and the dignity to walk as a strong woman of God, to live in righteousness in the midst of a carnal and perverse generation, as the word talks about, to give a strength to make decisions based on truth. And we could go on and on about the benefits of God's word in our life in that way. You know, you may remember that I told you about being real with the Lord and confessing to him about my lack of love for his word, my lack of affection for what he had to say. And I asked him to give him, give me a love for it. And you know how he answered my prayers? Through two women who were strong. There was a woman, both of them lived in Alabama when we lived down there. Nan Schusler, Sis Blanchard, they were older women than me. I know you all have a mentoring program here in your church. I encourage you to embrace that from both ends. You know, in reality, you should always be being mentored or nurtured, and you should always be nurturing someone else too. Because there's always somebody older, there's always somebody younger than you. And so many of us are looking for somebody to nurture and mentor us when really we've got people that we could be nurturing and mentoring. And God has really spoken into my life. He said, Sharon, you be intentional about nurturing other people and I'll make sure you get nurtured. And I've seen him doing that. And I encourage you to embrace that because many of you that I've talked to who say, oh, yes, yeah, she's my mentor and this has been such a blessing. It's such a good thing going on. Well, these two women... They were women that lived with an abundance of life that everybody had talked about in the church all my life that I really hadn't gotten to see up close and personal. And as they were living in front of me, everything about their life was based in the Word. It wove in the tapestry of their lives in ways that I was like, oh. I mean, I had graduated from Bible college with honors, and they would talk about things. I'm like, where's that? I've never seen that before. You're applying that. I, you know, and it just broke me, me to realize, and God began to break off the blinders to show me how it was relative in my life. And he used their lives as a magnet, their strong lives as a magnet for me to the word of God. And ladies, here's what I have found. Women who have embraced the responsibility of being in the word, they are the set-apart ones. They're the ones that are growing, and they're the ones that are strong. 
That's just what I see as I go around from place to place. And here's what I think is the reason why. God's word is many times said that it is bread for our souls, you know, so they're nourished. God's word keeps them active in the things of the faith, so they're exercising their faith. God's word gives them a peace, so they have a rest in their spirits and their hearts and minds. God's word's a healing to their hurts, and so they're free from spiritual diseases and sickness. You know, when we talk about strong people just in the physical, we talk about people who are nourished, who are active, who are rested, and who are healthy. It's the same thing spiritually. We have to be nourished and active and rested and healthy. And you get all of that through being in the Word of God. God's desire for you and for me as his daughters is that we be strong. Just like me as a mom, I have a desire, a deep desire for my daughter to be strong. He wants us to be strong as well. There's a scripture in Psalm 144.12. It's one of these little nuggets of truth that I had never seen all my life that I found. And I love the imagery here. That, that passage in, in its context is talking about what life would be like in the land of Zion if everything was perfect. You know, if things were good. And it says things like there'd be cattle in the stalls and all these things. You know, we don't really relate to that. But it talks about the children of God. It says something about the sons. It says our sons in their youth would be as well-nurtured plants. And then about the daughters, and it says, And our daughters would be as corner pillars fashioned as for a palace. What a word picture is that? Beautiful, strong, dignified, a corner pillar fashioned for a palace. That is God's desire for us. That is who he wants us to be. And he wants us to embrace that responsibility of listening to what he has to say. Just like as parents, we want our children to embrace that and to realize that is their responsibility to come up under our authority and listen to everything. The good, the corrective, the exhorting, all of those things in our lives. Now, there's another responsibility that we have women though as well and that is that we become established if you go back to first peter 5 10 there's that word established it's the last one well what does that look like for being a daughter of god have you ever known a woman that wasn't established <laughs> maybe you see one in the mirror I don't, I don't know you know somebody that's not stable you know you're emotionally just always all over the place you know making impulsive and wild choices and your thoughts and and are always in confusion and turmoil and maybe it's not you maybe it's somebody else maybe you were that person maybe you have a daughter or you know even a mother like that I mean there are people we, we all see women all the time who just are a mess and that's not God's plan for his daughters. He wants us to be established. And the Greek word here for that is on the screen, and it means to make stable, to settle. You know, when something is stable, when it's settled, it's unwavering. It's firm. It's secure. It's not going to move. Okay? To me, really the responsibility of being strong, which we just talked about, and being established, they have to work together. I want us to turn to Psalm chapter 1. You might be familiar with this passage. I love it. I really have encouraged many people when I used to teach school. Uh, in a Christian school, I taught Bible for a while, and this was always one of the passages that we would memorize together. I want us to look at the first few verses of it. And it actually starts out, how blessed is the man. But I'm going to read this from the context of us being a daughter of God. So I'm going to say how blessed is the daughter of God, and I, I think that's perfectly fine for us to do that. I hope that won't offend you. I think it's very much in context of what we're doing here today, and that God would smile on that. But it says this, How blessed is the daughter who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Now, do you see this? The daughter of God who delights in the word of God, this says they will be like a tree Firmly planted, in other words, established. You can't get more established than a big old tree sitting by a stream. I mean, the roots go deep. You couldn't push that thing over if you wanted to. You couldn't, I mean, you would have to have all kinds of machinery and a plan to push this because it is so strong. Its roots go so deep. But notice the descriptions about this tree as we think about being women of God, daughters of God who are established. It says that she yields fruit. She yields fruit. In other words, her life is worth something as she's established. She's not just taking up space and taking everything for herself. She's bringing forth something. She's valuable and for herself and for others. She's actually generating. You know, one of the biggest uh, problems, I believe, in our culture today for Christian women is selfishness. And it's just nurtured in our society. And, you know, taking life for ourselves, making it be all about us. But see, this is telling us the life that is actually established is a life that produces. It, it generates something. Notice it also says its leaf does not wither. In other words, they're never too tired because they're always being fed. They've got this steady stream of nourishment flowing through them. How many of God's daughters are fading away under a demand of busyness that was never intended for us? But the life that is established doesn't fade. It doesn't wither. It's always in season because it's a constant stream of nourishment going on. And then it says, whatever she does, she prospers. In other words, the blessing and the favor of God is upon her every move. How many of God's daughters give up under a weight of fizzling desires and failure? But the life that is established is always prospering, always able to say, do you see God's fingerprint there? Look at that. Look at that. Because it's established and it knows how to see the Lord moving and working in their lives. Once again, that is what will establish. What is it? It's the word of God. Because if you go back to the first verse there, it says, How blessed is the daughter of God who delights in the word of God. She doesn't get all caught up in all this other stuff that it mentions, but her delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, she meditates every day, every night. Now, last night I challenged you and I said, we got to get a vision, ladies. we got to get a vision for our life as God's daughter. Yes, you were born to some other parents, you know. Yes, you are the wife to so-and-so or, you, you know, you, you are this position in your job or whatever it is that, you know, makes up your life. But you are God's daughter first and foremost. And you've got to have vision for that in your life. Vision that embraces that privilege of being perfected, being confirmed. Vision that embraces that responsibility of being strengthened and being established. You know, we're all in different places. We're all in different places. Even those that you're close with, you're in different places with, than them. You know, though, if you're in the palace enjoying the king or if you're running around out somewhere else trying to find life in other places. But in general, I have to tell you, and I just want to share it with you truthfully, as I travel around and visit with many women, I see a lot of women who have a vision for being God's daughter, for walking in that. But I also sometimes don't see a great deal of vision for those things. 
There's a lady named Nancy Lee DeMoss. Some of you may have heard her before. She's a speaker and teacher. She's written quite a few books, and I really respect her. She's written a book called Lies Women Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. She's also written one called Lies Young Women Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. And if you've got teenage daughters, I highly recommend sitting down with them and going through and working through some of that or even just reading it yourself and generating some conversation in their life about those things. But this is what Nancy Lee DeMoss says. She says, if I had to describe a large percentage of Christian women that I have met and talked to in recent years, I would choose one or more of the following words. And ladies, what I want you to do is to read this list out loud with me. This, this is the list that Nancy made. And we're going to read down the columns, okay? Starting with the word frazzled. Frazzled, exhausted, burned out, overwhelmed, defeated, depressed, ashamed, emotionally unstable, confused, angry, frustrated, discouraged, uptight, insecure, lonely, fearful, and yes, even and yes, even suicidal. Does it have to be like that? No. It doesn't have to be that way. I was that person for years, even though I was a daughter of God. And I believe it broke his heart for me. You know, I shared with you about my daughter. These are the days that we are celebrating all that has happened in her life as we're getting ready for her to graduate and move on. And you know, it would break my heart as a mom if she weren't strong. It would break my heart as a mom if she weren't established. Why? Because as a mom, I prayed for more. I dreamed for more. I've worked hard for more. I've visioned for more. And ladies, God created you for more. He created you for more. He created you for more, and you're not going to be happy. None of us, none of us, any of the females that have walked the face of this planet are going to be happy, truly happy, truly knowing life until we accept the privilege and the responsibility that goes with belonging to who created us in the first place and has now invited us back into his family. Now, as we've been talking throughout the whole weekend, I know that you know the common theme that has been running through this whole thing, and it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It is what God has used in my life to totally transform me from who I was to who I am today. And he's still doing it because there needs to be even more transformation. And as I minister and work with people, the set-apart ones, the ones that truly are walking in strength, truly are walking in confirmation and perfecting, and these things that I see that God visions for us are the ones who are truly in the Word of God. And when I meet a woman who's doing that, I always begin to see this fruit, and I just marvel. And I think, you know, why is it that Satan keeps us from it so much? It's because that is so much where the power is. And as we finish out today, I just want to take a few minutes to just encourage you in that and, and just speak some words of life over you in that. You know, you think about this princess in that story. Remember, she left the house in secret. I know we, a lot of us didn't get any sleep last night. Hopefully you can remember the story. I'm not going to read it for you again. But she left the house in secret. She left the house in secret. What if the king had seen her running out of the house and he had stopped her and spoken to her? Do you think she still would have kept running? What if he had come out while she was playing in the mud, rolling in the mud, and he had spoken a word of affirmation over her? Do you think she would have gotten up and gone back to the palace? What if while she was lying on the ground being ridiculed by the others and the king came up to her and called her his daughter, come home with me, do you think it would have made any kind of difference? Yeah, I do and all of those things and more. But what about for us? What if our king walked in 
and spoke to us just when we were about to enter and walk into sin? What if our king whispered truth in our ear when we were feeling dirty and ashamed? What if our king spoke to us when we were wallowing in bitterness and despair? You know, you think, what if? Well, why not? <laughs> why not? Because he certainly wants to, and he certainly can, if we will just embrace the word in our lives. And so I just want to spend a few minutes as we close some things out, just encouraging you in a very practical way. You know, I told you that when I was 29, the Lord really birthed in me a deep love for his word. And over the years, as I have tried to then allow that to be you know, manifested out in how I live and how I walk through my days. There's just some practical things that I've learned that I just want to encourage you in. And I imagine that many of you here, I know you all have a lot of different things going on within the Word in your church. I was told that your pastor speaks and teaches through, you know, verse by verse. I love that because sometimes we just really miss the meat of the Word of God when we don't do that. So, I, I mean, I, I know and I can see, I was telling Phyllis, how, how beautiful of a church you are and how rich in so many things of the Lord. And so, you know, you ought to just be grateful for that because not every church is like that, and that's a blessing. And so I know, I know that many of you are embracing the word, and you're, you're knowing the sweet privilege of that, and I am too, but even still, I know that there's deeper and richer ways that the Lord wants. I don't want to think I've arrived in that, but I also know that there are some of you here in this room who you know in your heart, just like I did, you need to do that, and you want to take some steps to make it a more of a real part of your life, so we're just going to talk pretty practically for a few minutes. I want to encourage you, and I say this pretty much every time I speak somewhere, to pray that God would help you love his word more, no matter where you're at. It needs to be a constant prayer on our lips because left to ourselves, our hearts are pretty small. You know, They cannot contain the big things of God. We'll look to these little piddly things and think they'd be something good for us when God has this huge thing over here. But our hearts are so little, they can't even you know, contain it. But if we, it actually says in Psalm 119, verse 32, it says, I'll run the way of your commandments for you will enlarge my heart. And I love that promise because God can make my heart big enough to contain. But I have to ask him. And so even though I have a heart for the word, I continually pray, Lord, give me a heart for your word because I know I can get distracted so quickly. And all of us can. And we need to have that strength within us to have a heart for the word. And that's an encouragement too to you if you're in the place that I was in where if I was truly honest that I was bored by his word, just be honest. God knows anyway. And if you're honest with him, he can move you to the next step. It might take three years. He might do it tomorrow. But you know you're praying within his will because he loves his word. The Bible actually says, you know, we all revere the name of God. The Bible says that he holds his word according to his name. In other words, it's right on the same par. In fact, some versions say God has magnified his word above his name. So what do you think we ought to be doing with it, you know? You know you're praying in his will when you say, Lord, help me love your word. And so I just encourage that, that you pray that for yourself, pray that for your kids, pray that for your spouses, pray that for your church. Help us to be a people that loves what you have to say because he will do that. He will birth that in us and keep it alive. Another thing that I want to really encourage you in is to memorize God's word. Now, I heard that you all have a wana in your church, and, and that's awesome. And that really encourages scripture memory for kids. And many times, as the leaders, you end up memorizing them too. But you know, really, memorization is for all of us too, even as we get older. And when we started our ministry, one of the things that I said to the Lord was, God, I'm happy to go and be a teacher, and I believe you're calling me to do that. But there's a lot of teachers out there. Is there anything unique that you want us to do? 
And within about a year, he showed us what that thing was. And we uh, started by... I didn't know at this point that it was. I just had a heart for memorizing scripture. And so that, that fall, I thought, you know what? I bet I can get about 150 women to memorize Romans 12 with me. And what I was going to do was we were going to take 12 weeks, and we called it 12 for 12 for 12. We were going to memorize Romans 12. I was going to get 12 women to memorize Romans 12 with me in 12 weeks. But I was also going to get them to get 12 women, so we'd have about almost 150 women. Well, God totally just expanded that thing, and that year we had over 600 people all over the world memorizing Romans 12 together. It was an amazing thing, and God began to show me the power of doing that. I already knew in my own life, I would say to you that memorizing Scripture has probably been the, the single most effective tool in my life for discipleship because it gives something for the Holy Spirit to work with, you know? And you can't miss the little words. You find those little nuggets of truth as you're going through word by word by word and saying that. It becomes literally a part of the fiber of your being, and it's so good. It's just good brain exercise. Put the Sudoku puzzles down and memorize the word. It's, it, you know, it, they say that brain, uh, brain exercise is memorization. Well, a lot of older people, you know, and older, I'm meaning sometimes 21, 22 years old, will say, oh, I can't memorize anything. You know, once we graduate from whatever we're doing, we're thinking we're done. But you know what? You need to keep exercising that brain. And what better thing to do it with than the Word of God? It gets your family memorizing with you a lot of times because you're like, listen to my verse, you know, say this with me. But on our website, we have, I think, three or four of the memorization projects that we have done. And you can access them. They have pacing guides. They have, you know, passages already picked out. They have devotions written for them. If you sign up for our website um, or you sign up for our mailing list, we, you will get some emails in the later summer months where we will invite you to be a part of our fall memorization project. And you can do it right here in Texas. We've had people memorizing with us in other languages. It's just been so cool to see the body of Christ coming together and memorizing passages. A lot of times we'll put a blog on our website where people will then, you know, blog together about what God's showing them. And it just it's just a really neat thing, but God can use memorization in your life. And you might be sitting there thinking, I don't know how to do that. I'm not very good at it. You know, well, you know your phone number, probably. You know, you know your address. You can memorize. Don't let Satan convince you that you can't. You're a strong, established woman of God, you know? And that's one of the ways that he can bring you along. You start somewhere. Just like if you were going to start running today and you hadn't ran in a long time, you would maybe make it from here to the back of the room. But if you did it every day, you get stronger and stronger. It's a muscle that you work, and it just gets better and better. When we started the Romans 12, there was a girl named Janice, and I remember her saying, I can't memorize. And I'm like, yes, you can. Come on, come on. And she did it with us. And last summer, not because she told me, I just happened to find out, on her own she was memorizing the book of James. And you know, one night, we usually have like a celebration service after these memorization projects where we try, the ones that are in town come together and we try to celebrate. And there was a lady named Lindsay Hale there one night and she looked and she said, you know what, we may not always have the word of God. We may not always have the privilege to hold it in our hands. And wouldn't it be awesome if you were the book of James and you were the book of Hebrews and you were the book of Ephesians because you've memorized the word of God. It's rich, and I encourage you to make that a part of your daily discipleship. It's a responsibility, but you can do it. You can do it. Remember I told you about um, the girl in prison that I've been ministering with? This week, I sent her the stuff to get started on the Romans 12 project, and she's going to get some other women in the jail to memorize with her. Isn't it a beautiful thing how she's embracing the privilege but the responsibility for herself and then ministering to somebody else. Another thing I would encourage is that you would take your Bible with you. You know what? 
You would not leave home, most of us anymore, without your cell phone, your Blackberry, whatever it is, because you want people to be able to get in touch with you. you you're, everybody's always constantly, I mean, I go through airports and everybody's like, you know, they won't even look at each other. They're just, you know, and I'm one of them. You know, I'm doing it too. And as much as I said I'm not going to text, I'm pulling the suitcase and, you know, doing all this stuff. That's just who we are as a culture anymore. But you know what? Take your Bible with you. God might have something to say to you when you're sitting in the doctor's office waiting. You don't, I mean, it's much better than that Woman's Day magazine that's much more important that's going to have some eternal value in your life. Take it with you when you go to have coffee with a friend. When you sit it down on the table, you're making a statement about who you are and about what you want conversation to be about. And you're just anticipating that God's going to bring something up where you're going to have to look in that word and have some conversation about it. It just brings about a richness of inviting it into your life. See, it's more than just sitting down and having your Bible study every day, which is wonderful. And that's a starting place. But a lot of times it's easy, even as we get into the Word, to just have this on our checklist of things to do. Check! Did my study for today? Now off to everything that I want to do. Instead of inviting the Lord to just like you would carry your cell phone all day long because people need to get in touch with you. You know, you, you want to have access to your husband, calling your kids, all these different things. Well, give God some access in your, in your life. See, when you memorize, too, he's got free access. You know, he, just, he has that free access in your life many, many times. Another thing is to just be faithful to it. You know, just like you would all the other things in your life that sometimes you do, even though maybe you don't feel like doing, you know? And we all have those things as women. Women wear so many hats. We have so many roles of things. And I'll tell you, there's days that I don't feel like doing a lot of the things I have to do, but I do them anyway because I know it's important. Well, some days, you know, and these are the days that I pray even harder, Lord, help me have a love for your word. There are days still that it's just like, you know? But you do it anyway. You just be faithful to it. And those are the days that many times, you know, I, one of my favorite teachings that God has given me is a teaching about peace. And I was doing my Bible study, and I, I go to Bible study fellowship, if any of you know what that is. It's an international Bible study, and you just pretty much work through the Word. And, and we um, were working in Matthew that year. And we got to Matthew 4, and it was just one of those days for me, you know. And I looked, and we were supposed to be doing Matthew 4, and I'm like, oh, I know what that's about, you know. And that was my attitude. I'm just being honest. And then I caught myself quickly. I was like, Lord, this is your holy word. Why am I having that kind of attitude? Forgive me. And I repented quickly of it, which doesn't always happen. So I was, you know, okay, this is good. Do you know that that day the Lord broke that open to me in such a profound way and gave me this whole teaching that has truly made a difference in my life and that he's used in many, many ways. And yet I thought, you know, well, I already know that. I already know what that story says. I've read it so many times. Just be faithful to it. You don't know what he's going to do. You know, it's taking charge of your mind, will, and your emotions and doing some things even when you don't want to. And that's important as we grow stronger. Loving God with your mind. Being willing to study. You know, we say, oh, Lord, I love you with all my heart. You know, we say that all the time. Well, that's kind of hard to measure sometimes, you know. But the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know how you love the Lord with your mind? There's several ways, but one is that you study what he has to say. You dig. You be willing. You know, the answer doesn't come right away. You, you ask. You, you pray about that thing. You, you seek, seek out some things and do some research and, and figure it out. And you wait with an expectant heart. You study. 
You study. You be willing to get in some Bible studies that involve homework and memorization. And you say, you know what? I am going to be faithful to these things. And I am going to study. You've got to love God with your mind. You can't just love him with your heart. Literally, we need to love him with our life, you know? Because we, as women, we can get all gushy, you know, with our hearts. But where the rubber hits the road a lot of times is when we're talking about responsibility and being established is when we take responsibility to love him with our mind. And there's all kinds of Bible study out there. Today, with the access that we have to information, there's no reason why you can't study God's Word. Even if you don't understand it on your own, you can find stuff on the Internet. You can go to Christian bookstores. You can go to things in your church. I mean, we have some Bible studies. I didn't bring all three of them with me, but I brought this one. It's called Loving Life. It's probably my favorite study that I've written, and it just takes you through just a few verses in First uh, Peter 3, 10 through 15. It's very practical. It's just seven weeks, but there's homework. It's work, and you got to memorize this stuff on the back if you're really going to glean everything from it. I've got, you know, about 20 copies that I brought with me back there, and that's available. But, you know, if you, many times in churches over the summer, uh, the Bible studies break and, you know, give people a break, well, you could just get that Bible study or, or another Bible study and get together with a friend and say, let's meet together and we're going to do this Bible study together. Taking responsibility for these things in our own life or doing it on your own. You know, my Bible study fellowship ends in a couple weeks. And the Lord's been speaking to me about what are you going to do this summer to be in the Word, to, to have a plan, you know, to be studying and loving me with your mind. Another practical thing is to just pray using the Word. I mean, many of you probably have rich prayer lives. God is just, this is something really new to me in the last year and a half where God is teaching me, you know, when I go, I've been to Romania and I've been to some, you know, Caribbean islands and things like that. And you go into these places and you don't speak the language and you can't really communicate. Well, this is what I'm learning this is God's language, and I want to hear from him. i got to know this word, and I need to speak to him in this word, and I can really start to see some things happen. When I pray using the word of God, it makes all the difference. That's what we've been doing as those senior moms that are, when we call in together, when we call in and pray for things on our ministry, we try to really now have scripture that we're praying over because then you know you're praying in a way that moves the heart of God. It's his word that he loves. And then when he speaks to you out of his word, the more you know this word, you understand it becomes literally your prayer language as you're talking to him. I've got a little um, laminated brochure. You can't take it back there, but you could go back and look at it. There's some resources listed there. There's so many resources out there about praying scripture, and it's such a good thing. It's something that I'm just really grabbing a hold of in the last couple of years. And then the last thing, and I know that it's probably a big thing for many of us, especially you younger ones who are, have little ones running around. You know, you're busy, <laughs> and you think, when on earth am I going to put that into the schedule? And even if you wanted to, I mean, if you've got an active one like my little guy was when he was little, I mean, he never stopped. And during those years is when the Lord taught me this, to redeem the moments, to redeem the moments in my life. You know what? I could put my Bible on the counter. And when I made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and poured some juice, you know, I'd catch it with my eye. And I might only get one verse meditated on that day. But it's better than just saying, well, I don't have time, you know. Or you know where I memorized most of the scripture in the early days especially was when my kids were strapped in the back seats and they couldn't go anywhere and we're in the car and you stop at a stoplight and I always had my Bible laying beside me. I'm a visual memorizer. I have to see it in the same place every time. On our, on our website, we have some memorization tips to help you with some things and there's a lot of different things out there for that beyond what we have. 
But, you know, I, I needed it right there with me. And now, like, I'm working on a passage, and I have it in my car. I actually made a copy of it. I copied it right out of my Bible. And I was very intentional about putting things in the right place so I could redeem those moments. Taking your Bible into the doctor's office. You know, some of you probably have kids that have ear infection after ear infection. You're always sitting in the doctor's office. Take your Bible with you. Redeem those moments. When you're memorizing in the car... Your kids will memorize with you. And what better thing than watching, you know, whatever those videos are that we put. I mean, get them memorizing. They can do that. My kids were in Christian school, you know, pretty much most of their life other than when we homeschooled. And, I mean, when my kids were little, they memorized like chapters. I mean, that they would have them do. They can just soak that stuff up. They may not know what it means, but God will bring it back. It's not going to return void. You know, you can use that. And busy, redeem those moments, you know, wherever you're at. Just think about those extra moments that you have. The more time you give to God to speak to you, the more you're going to know him as your father. The more you're going to enjoy that privilege of being perfected, confirmed, strengthened, and established. You know, I've been praying for us over this weekend, and I hear there's been an amazing prayer team who has really embraced the responsibility of praying over this retreat, and I thank you for that. I do thank you for that, and it's a blessing. And many of the things that the Spirit does... This weekend is a result of all of that, so you should, you should feel good about that. But I've been praying, too, that you would be convinced that you're a daughter of God. We don't want anyone to leave here not knowing that they're a daughter of God. And if you don't know that, please come and talk to me. Come and talk to Phyllis. Come and talk to some of the other women around your tables and things like that that you know are leaders. And then that you would embrace the privilege and the responsibility of belonging to him. You know, as we read in the story, we saw the king speak to the princess. And he said, I will open every door every time you knock. And I'll always love you ever again. And I pray that you hear those words today. The father loves you. And he wants you to embrace all that he has created you for. I recently heard about a girl who had received the honor of homecoming queen. And although she was blessed by the honor, she is a young girl that lives for her father, the king. And this is what she shared. As she shared this eternal perspective, she said, I'm really honored to accept this, but I really want to be remembered for something that will last. I want an eternal crown. And I thought, how beautiful is that? See, because one day the chief shepherd is going to call you home. And he's going to place an unfading crown, just like it says in 1 Peter on your head. He's going to put that unfading crown on your head as you enter heaven. And you're going to hear Jesus say these words, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Ladies, as his daughters, we have an eternal crown. And I pray that you would embrace it. It truly will make your heart sing. Let's pray together. Let's stand together and pray as we Come before our King. Father God, we stand before you as your daughters. What a privilege that is that you have invited us back into your family. Lord, we stand before you as your daughters. We want to know that in our hearts. We pray you would continue to minister to us. We pray, Lord, that you would perfect us, Lord. We open our lives. Point out the things that you want to perfect in us, Lord. Confirm us today. Speak your words of love over us, Lord. Strengthen us. Give us power in our inner man, Lord, that we might live more boldly and strongly for you and enjoy the fruit, the peaceful fruit of righteousness, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you would establish us as trees 
living by the stream of water of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would do these works in our life. We thank you for the rich privilege as your princesses of being here together this weekend. What a joy it has been. I pray a blessing over this women's ministry, over this church, over every family and life that's represented here. Lord, would you be strong in these women. Lord, would you give us vision for who we are as your daughters. In Jesus' name, amen.